0: Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it's not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, president and CEO of Tim McMurtry International, LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us today for this episode, and I thank you for your listenership and your viewership of this show. Our aim on this platform is to discuss the nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication in your various spheres of influence, be it family, friends, business, workplace, etc. Wherever you find yourself in, you want to be a maximized communicator. We're here to help you to become a top notch communicator. So be sure to like, share and subscribe to the podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru podcast so that you can be notified when new episodes are available and up for public consumption. So while we recognize that external interpersonal communication is important, what is typically less recognized is the vital role that internal communication with one's self also plays in the overall quality of life of the individual. This essentially boils down to mindset and how to maximize right thinking. So, to some people, it sounds kind of hokey and doesn't take all that, et cetera. But if you do a deep dive, most of the high achievers that you know, that you can name off, that's all in the media, all of them are mindset experts and they take time to invest in their mindset with techniques and methods to help them live a maximized quality of life. So to this end, we are joined today by a very special guest. He is a business owner, family man, a success mindset coach, and a transformation expert. He is none other than the one and only William Deck. Welcome to the show, brother. I'm glad you were able to make it today.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. And I'm excited about the conversation today because it's not talked about enough in general. And I think uh, as adults, as individuals who uh, look to add value to this world, we need to understand how we can first see value in ourselves. And uh, hopefully we can get into that today.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's get right on into it. Now, with the background ranging from sales to coding to nonprofit businesses to for-profit businesses, what primarily fueled your decision to launch out, hang your shingle and start your own business?
1: Yeah, for me, um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so honestly, it was just a matter of time in in my personal estimation. I knew that I wanted to uh, work for myself, but I waited until I had the right reason uh, to go out there and do that, meaning I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just looking to make money, that I was looking to make impact and add value to the marketplace. And once I was able to get uh, clarity on what uh, space and skill set that was, that I could actually accomplish all those things, then I decided to get out there. And that's where uh, my business LLC came from. And as you mentioned, you know, we really focus on, um, as a consulting firm, um, on organizational transformation as well as mental fitness uh, training and coaching. Because what we saw within the marketplace is that um, there's a lot of work being done on how to improve processes, um, how to um, address um, diversity, equity and inclusion and different things like that, that all uh, speak to the external components. But one thing that I've learned in my journey is that all these uh, have an internal source, not as a group of people, but as individuals. And so if we look to change uh, organizations or change our society, uh, first and foremost, we have to become self-accountable and look to change ourselves. Not in a way in which other people may want you to change, but understanding that there is more to you and um, there is more that is possible. There are more options. And ultimately, I call that expanding your consideration set. So whether that has to do with ethnicity, gender, uh, what's possible in your career, any area, Um, if you have a limited vision then you're going to um, basically have an opportunity for limited outcomes. And with that understanding from my own personal experience doing a lot of and seeing a lot of this and coaching and training people through it within workforce development, uh, development especially as well as consulting in healthcare and other industries. I saw that when it got down to it, I was working with people to adjust and expand their, their vision for, for themselves. What was possible? How could we actually go in and work with the nurses and actually change something as opposed to complaining about the challenges, what can we actually do? What is possible as opposed to what's not possible? What hasn't worked?
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, that, that that's great. I was just the other day checking out a podcast where uh, the guy Daniel Pena, was on, you know, coach to the billionaires and millionaires. Matter of fact, he was on Vlad TV. Shout out Vlad TV. Shout out Daniel Pena. And what he was asked was, well, what's been the biggest thing that you've seen over the expanse of the thousands of people that you've coached over these last 30, 40 years? And he said that the biggest thing that I saw was many, and I wish I knew this when I first got into the coaching consulting space, was that just about everybody that I've coached had a very low self-esteem. And a, a low belief that they can really achieve those things that they kind of have in their dream of dreams. What do you think contributes to people in mass having this low self-esteem that has to be unlocked and fueled so that it can blossom as fuel for them to get ultimately to where they're trying to go?
1: Yeah, I think um, it, based on what I've actually learned and honestly, um, science also backs this up that from age zero to seven, our subconscious mind, our our deeper mind that actually um, governs our our habits and our habitual behaviors, um, that subconscious mind is programmed and basically put into um, automatic mode um, from age zero to seven. So by the time you're roughly seven years old, uh, your general beliefs about the world and what you believe to be possible for yourself are set. Now, of course, that will expand and grow over time, but ultimately, Many times as adults, most of us are looking at ourselves and what's possible from the child's eyes, meaning we haven't reassessed um, that internal narrative. Um, Have we actually taken time to question your thinking? Why do I think the way that I think? Why do I believe that? Why do I feel that way? Are these my ideas? Who do these ideas come from? Who told me that? Because I didn't tell myself I was dumb and stupid at five years old. That's just unnatural. So who told me that? Right now, that could be specifically who, but also overall the narrative itself. Who is saying this? Is this actually me? And as you begin to ask these kinds of questions, then you begin to get some creative and some powerful answers because now, you know, and fear is based on the whole idea of I don't know. And so because of that, most of us are living in fear. We've never really thought about what we're thinking Why do we feel the way that we feel? Why do we believe what we believe? And unfortunately, because we have those automatic programs set starting at roughly about age seven, as far as where it gets to harden and form, then we don't have an opportunity to be able to go into the uh, creative factor, which is where all things are possible. And so even if it's a matter of what we saw, what we heard, what people told us, and ultimately over time, what we will find, we begin to tell ourselves That whole sphere in space is where the opportunity is. It's not based on what's happened and how you felt about it alone, because what you think and feel matters because that creates your reality. But why are you thinking and feeling this way? And if it's not serving you, well, then what are we going to do that? These kinds of questions never happen. And so, um, Science also says that roughly 90 to 92 percent of people are stuck in that subconscious mode. They have no understanding of the ability to be able to make adjustments and change it. And so they stay the same. That doesn't mean that you won't grow in your career, but the way you see yourself will remain limited. And based on what you see on the inside in general about yourself and what's possible for, for yourself and others, that's ultimately is what's going to manifest over time and become your life and your overall narrative. So these are the kind of things that I work with people on because it's really about going into the gray area and saying, actually, within that gray area, there's some red, there's some green, there's some blue. And we have to be able to pull that out after we address why you were thinking and feeling the way that you're feeling. Because until we address that, trying to say, let's move forward and let's work on fixing something doesn't connect because we have to let go of all the junk, all the mess before we can begin to build something anew.
0: So with, 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 I guess, the general rule of thumb, I don't have a, a scientific study to back this. I'm just going on personal, anecdotal, you know, day in the life of-ness. <laughs> um, most people don't necessarily volunteer to uh, receive any criticism even if it's constructive and so as you are working with you know your clients you know across the spectrum from athletes to business executives to you know the whole gamut how do you first get people comfortable enough to say hey I'm gonna do this self-examination and self-assessment and I'm gonna allow you William Deck to kind of peep game a bit and help me see some things that might be blind spots and when you point those out to me I ain't going to get defensive and be mean mugging. And you know what I'm saying? Be all up in my chest. I'm going to be open because I understand that this is a precursor to me being able to do the real heart surgery, so to speak, you know, mentally to get this going. So how do you get people comfortable enough to receive this constructive criticism so that they are able to move forward?
1: So I think it's very similar how I approach um, when I do individual coaching as well as working with organizations. I think the reality is, and what I'm seeing and finding each and every day, is that people know that there's something amok. There's something wrong with what's going on in society in general. And not only is it what's happening on the outside, but the way they're thinking and feeling, meaning being constantly under stress, is really forcing them to say, why am I constantly staying in this state of mind that is stressing me out, that is making me unhappy, That is not allowing me to become my best version. What's actually going on on the inside? And as people begin to ask those questions individually, especially over the pandemic, what I found is that they're being able to say, you know what? On an individual level, I don't have the answers and I'm willing to be open to it because I'm fed up with feeling this way. So when I have an individual coaching client, that's usually where where they're at. They're, They're tired of being tired. They're tired of being frustrated, fearful, negative uh, feeling that they're having these blocks on the outside at the organizational level. They're basically saying, we don't have the answers to these new challenges that COVID has brought. And we used to have an EAP line that was really, really effective. You could go and call someone and, you know, that would pretty much solve it. But now with all the social injustice issues with everything else is going on the me too movement and so much more leaders are not feeling prepared and um, capable of handling this effectively They could handle that in the past, but this, I don't have an answer for this. And so me coming in and saying, I have a different approach that is top down. I want to work on the individuals that will help to inform organizational or larger mass change. And then of course I give the details of how I do it and people can resonate with it because we've all been in that space of not knowing, being afraid, um, being anxious, um, not loving ourselves. And so I just speak the truth. Because I know what they're thinking because I've been there and we're all human beings and no one has lived this life and not felt these things. I just say it. And as a human, people can feel that. And from there, um, where this anecdotal stories, where this how I work with other organizations, whatever that may be, uh, we just have a conversation. And overall, um, based on the service that I provide, then we discuss how I can help to support them in a different way that's going to address the root cause, which is within
0: gotcha gotcha now you touched upon some of the 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 social uh challenges that we've seen coupled with this disruptive nature of the whole pandemic over these past 18 months uh the george floyd you know murder following that murder there were clearing calls across the spectrum uh you know black lives matter uh corporations saying hey we want to be able to do something in this space we want to improve our uh environments to make them more you know welcoming and open to diversity of thought leadership etc have you seen that that is kind of continued on or was that just a flash in the pans and how does mindfulness training and people being able to hey first see the truth truth is the truth let's address it as truth first so that we are able to go ahead and remedy it as best we can what has been your experience specifically as it relates to that diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging in this current day and age and the mindfulness infusion into that?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, first and foremost, that's a great question, because that's honestly what I've done. Um, I've, I, by request only, I've gotten into diversity, equity and inclusion. And um, what I've seen is that most organizations don't know what the heck they're doing. Um, there is a desire to make change, but there's so much fear of, of, of doing it wrong. Right. Because a lot of these large organizations are ran by, you know, people who are not of color. And um, because of that, there is a huge fear of, of doing it wrong. And that's not a bad thing. It's it's a valid fear. Right. And so um, many organizations have thrown a lot of money at it, but are not necessarily looking for unique ways to address it, because the same way it was being addressed before, it's really just kind of more of the same. Um, and so for me, when I was um Asked by a few different organizations to begin to provide some programming and really workshops around uh, diversity, equity and inclusion topics. What I did was say, OK, well, as long as you understand that I'm going to include mental fitness or mindfulness in this, I'm, I'm, I'm game. And so, um, for example, one workshop uh, that I created was a workshop on code switching. And code switching is the phenomenon of changing your your dialect, you know, the way you speak, as well as your behaviors based on who's present. And of course, um, traditionally, this is thought of, well, this is, you know, happens a lot with minorities because, you know, of X, Y, Z, because of history and breaking into corporate America over the last, you know, 50 plus years and all the injustice. But honestly,
0: you need white folks to feel more comfortable about you and your presence. So you have to talk correct. more like them.
1: Correct. So 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 that is the perception of what this idea encompasses, but honestly, um, if we really think about it, it also includes women and how women have to interact with with men in a different way. It also, um, you know, based on gender identity, you know, there are some ways in which, um, you know, people code switch. And even at uh, different leadership levels, this has been one of the biggest one, even white men based on the leadership level. If you are a manager, and there's directors in the room or, or VPs, you'll, you'll code switch as well. And so, approaching the conversation from a more holistic point of view and saying this applies to everyone. Now I can speak from an African-American male and tell you that, that, that story. And the thing that you may have heard are probably mostly true. However, it's, it's more to it than that. And what do we have more in common than do we have, um, that, that, that makes us different beyond that? Um, what are some of the impacts positive, negative of code switching when you don't feel like you can be your authentic self, white male, black male, Um, someone who has a different gender identity, it doesn't matter. If you can't be your authentic self, what are the negative impacts of code switching? Because the positives are, you know, understanding the the spoken and unspoken norms of the game, especially in corporate America, so that you can matriculate up and get paid. Cool. But what are the negatives about it? So let's talk about the positive and negatives as well. Because after a while, if you can't be yourself, that's that's, going to become a problem. And that's why we have so many people when they get to the middle of their career um, all of a sudden they're having a career crisis because they're like, what the hell am I doing here? I finally asking questions and I don't have the answers. So now I'm freaked out. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. And code switching is a component of that. So that's the way that I approach these kind of conversations so that we can actually get something out of it. And it's not, if it's a half white and a half people of color room or, or whatever else that only, it only applies to half of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like this needs to be something that people can feel just like music. Like if you can feel it and connect to it, it means something. You, you can digest it. You can do something with it. If not, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I'm going to get paid because I came and did the workshop, but I would rather add value. Let's talk about some root cause things, some things that are real, that applies to all of us. Now, now, now my story, if I'm an African-American male, is not going to apply to you if you are or, or it might. You might not be able to you might not have the same experience if you are of a different background. I get that. But that narrative is played out. Let's talk about things that, once again, connect us. Not just to be kumbaya, but because this is real life, and we all have minds, and mind has no face, has no shape, has no color.
0: Right, and they're universal principles, and, you know, a principle or a law is a predictable consequence of an act. You got to, this pen, if I throw this pen up, whatever goes up must come down, whether I'm a black dude throwing it up, a white guy, you know, a person that's LBGTQ+, or whatever, just... That, that law is applicable across, across the board. Now, you made an interesting point about, you know, music being something that you, you can feel. I was listening in the other day, just kind of, I was out by the lake, actually, just reading and meditating, trying to be mindful. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I just turned the radio on. I usually try to listen to, like, some classical music sometimes, just something that doesn't have any words in it so I can concentrate on the words that I'm reading. But I happened to turn the radio on, just kind of just flipping through the stations. And it was an oldie station that was playing some old jams. And the, the DJ was like, well, hey, when we come back, we're going to play, you know, uh, oldie but goodie from, you know, Karen Wheeler, who's one of my favorite singers, used to be lead singer with Soul to Soul. And uh, um, back to
1: life,
0: back to reality. She, that's her singing on that. But she had a solo album back in the day. Now, I graduated from UWM, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, but I spent a couple years in Hampton virginia at hampton university an hbcu a historically black college university for those of you all who might not know what hbcu is as an acronym so that's for you so the song came out her album came out then she had one of the prettiest voices she sounded like an angel and i was thinking that okay he said he's going to play a throwback that many of you all might not know and the throwback was i said living in the light is probably what he's going to play and that's what he played from her solo album. The only jokers that really be feeling Karen Wheeler can go back there. But when the song came out, so I listened through all the commercials or whatever, because I was going to hear that song. And although the song came out circa 1990, 1991, I was immediately taken back to 1991, Hampton, Virginia, you know what I'm saying? Chesapeake Bay on the campus, Harkness Hall. You know, it was like whoa, and it took me there. And so I'm I'm glad you made that reference as as it relates to just authenticity. So when you're coming in doing this kind of work, you want people to feel it at a visceral level, so they'll know that this isn't just on the surface. No, this has got some subterranean impact here. And if unless the work is gonna Affect you there, it might not be long lasting. It'll be a passing fancy. You will have a nice little brochure that's going to be on the shelf somewhere collecting dust in relatively short order because you weren't moved to change. That said, with the heft of this work, what was it that and you touched upon it a little bit earlier on in in this interview? But what was it that made you zero in on, you know what, I'm going to launch my business, come to a family, entrepreneurs, et cetera, but I'm going to do this, this level of work. What 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 drove you into that and how did you first get exposed to this level of conscious, subconscious, and how they interact and fuel us as human beings?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, um, starting out as far as why um, this subject matter itself, or the, these these topics, are important to me, is because about um, almost four years ago now, uh, just at a place in my life to where I was looking just to make some changes. I recently graduated from graduate school, got my MBA with a focus in finance, and I remember sitting at the dinner of the night before we were going to walk across the stage, 2018. And I was sitting there at dinner, we're at a hibachi restaurant and I was getting gifts from my family. So both of my parents were there, my step parents were there, my, my my wife and and her, her parents. And I remember sitting there, everyone was so excited and, and things like that. And I just had a moment to where I was just kind of self-reflective. And I was like, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like all the, the work, you know, working, doing 20 to 25 hours a week to get, you know, straight A's, getting 4.0 in in graduate school. Even
0: the prestige, man, and All the that stature, stuff. the status, yeah. it it just wow. it,
1: it just wasn't enough. And for me, um it started when I was, you know, in my early 20s when, when my stepdad got sick. Um he he ended up having a a stroke and he survived, but I was a sophomore uh, I'm about to be a junior in college and I had to take a semester off of school, help out with family ran up on my credit cards that I had that were for only for building credit. And actually they were maxed out because I was helping to pay, you know, groceries and basic things during this tough time with the, with, with my family. And so I went from basically being comfortable college kid to all of a sudden having these manly type duties and things like that. And I wasn't ready. I was 20 years old and I just remember being in a place of, um, of being lost and not knowing who I was. I had ideas of who I thought I was based on externals. But then I realized through that time that I did not know who I was, at least not yet. And that was a very scary thing. And I I would say um, one moment that really, you know, set me back in my chair, if you will, and made me begin to, you know, dig deep and begin to answer the question is I remember at the time, you know, I I was dating this young lady and, um, you know, we, we got into an argument and, um, at one point the argument, she, you know, uh, basically, you know, um, yelled in response to something I said or whatever. Um, why don't you just be a man? And in that moment that hit my soul because I didn't know how to be a man because my parents had gotten divorced. My stepdad was there, but I knew my dad. So I really didn't accept my stepdad, you know, and just all that stuff, not to mention I was young, but she, but she, she asked that question and I didn't have the answer. And it hit me all the way down to the pit of my soul. Like it went back to the 1800s only. <laughs> like, like s- seriously.
0: Yes, sir. Like
1: it was that kind of moment. Yes, sir. Tectonic shift on you. Yes. Uh-huh. And so f- starting with, with with the need to answer that question, but then going from, well, how did this apply to my faith? Because, you know, I went to church and things like that fairly consistently. But I was feeling, and, and what I realized as I was going along, that I was definitely depressed, just going through a tough time. You know, it was my dark night of the soul. Um, so to fast forward, um, then I'm sitting there at, at dinner, 2018, you know, 30 years old, graduated uh, or, or 31 years old.
0: How much time, excuse the interruption, how much time had passed between this gut punch to the back to the 1800s and you <laughs> yeah. sitting at the Hibachi restaurant in this moment? How much time had elapsed?
1: So that was probably 11 years, okay. 2007, 2008. So 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 10 to, to 11 years. Okay. And so um, fast forward. Um I, I realized after um coming back home and just beginning to ask myself some questions as far as why I wasn't really able to celebrate myself is that I had been in in a fight or flight state for a decade from the time my stepdaddy got sick all the way through until that time because once I took that semester off of school, I had just changed my major so I was gonna add about, you know, two two semesters to, to graduate anyway. So it was three extra semesters. Right. And then I wasn't focused because I was, I stayed in school or I got back I got right back in school, but I wasn't focused. And so um there was one particular class that I failed three times, which I think was um um uh what was it? It was business calculus. Mm-hmm. And not because I I was that bad in math. It's because I wasn't focused. And math was something I had to actually focus and study. The other stuff, I could just get get B's or A's and not have to really focus. And I wasn't. So I failed the class three times. So all of a sudden, now I'm like three years behind my initial graduation time frame. Ultimately, ended up being almost four years. And so when I graduated from college, I got a great job, went directly into a career, was regional sales manager within a year and a half for Allstate, Um, all that. But in the back of my mind, I was always telling myself in that subconscious, you're behind. This isn't enough. You're behind. This isn't enough. And I would hear it vaguely in moments that I should be celebrating and I wasn't. Like when I graduated or got the job or started making money, but it wasn't enough. Why wasn't that enough? I don't know. I had also built really bad spending habits. So all these things curtailed to that 2018 moment graduating from graduate school. Nah, I already got married. I'm taking care of somebody. All this stuff. You should be proud of yourself, man. You're doing it. Nah. Wasn't enough. I'm still behind. I should be making six figures right now. I'm not making six figures yet. And it was always a future state of I had to do more or I had to do this or that in order to be enough. And once I realized what that voice was telling me, I began to dive into deep study on how the mind actually works during that same period of time, 2018 one, 2019, I changed my, my, um, my uh, diet from just eating whatever to plant-based and I can definitely, and, and that's a whole nother story. But when I went plant-based, was like eating from the earth consistently like our ancestors did. Let's just say I began to get downloads of information and, at, at, and during, and during all of this, I was working in workforce development. And so I had I was working for a company called IC Stars Milwaukee that, that's still here in in the city doing great things. Shout out IC Stars! And um, we um, had twenty interns every four months. We're taking through a four month program, teach them coding, business leadership skills. I was a program manager as I was finishing up graduate school, and I was um, responsible for the business and leadership training side of things because we had someone that, that actually did the coding uh, training. And so as I'm getting all these downloads of information and I'm going on my own journey and doing this study, like I'm talking about like four hours a day, um, I began to teach them some of these things, which was understand like, what is the subconscious mind? Why is it important to understand this? This is your habit center. If you want to change behaviors and habits, you have to go here. And so I was really just honestly ministering to them as I was learning and healing myself. And what I saw with them over the next two years going into 20, all the way through the beginning of 2020 was that as I was having a mental transformation, I was helping them individually and collectively have a mental transformation because many of those interns, um, they basically were, were coming from backgrounds to where they didn't have any college education, didn't have anyone in the family many times, not all the time, but many times who had actually had a career and not just a job. And with all these things, they had to have a tectonic shift in thinking to really get down to the place where that, that I was learning, had learned, that and believing that they deserved this because if you don't believe that you deserve something, you will self-sabotage. Not because you don't want to or because you don't want better, but because your paradigm, your, your habitual behaviors and thinking and attitudes will force it. Because you can only accept what you believe to be possible. So you have to expand your consideration set. The, the glass ceiling, you you, you, have, you have to take the lid off of that and make it a drop top because the glass ceiling is is lack of internal vision. It's not the white man. It's not corporate America. It's you.
0: See, see. Oh, uh, see, not, So I'm going to stop there. But was, that is. I was trying to let you finish all this, but I got, man, I got to <laughs> tag me, yep, tag yep, me in. Tag me in. That's it. Yep. So, so just, oh, man. Now I'm not I won't keep you much longer. Um, The the one, I'm I'm going to give you like the three questions. It's going to be 1A, 1B, 1C. 1A is can you talk a little bit about the relationship? between the conscious and the subconscious and their relationship. Number two, can you speak to, when we talk about Ados, American Descendants of Slaves, we've had a unique experience of uh, disenfranchisement, just suffice it to say, just been done wrong since 1619 when the first ship came over here even up until contemporary times you know you got the uh uh, microaggressions and you know the police shooting folks that you know other folks they would give a little bit more leeway to we mentioned george floyd earlier. i mean just being black ain't no joke how can one not take the role of victim given the historical legacy of how we've been treated here. And then, number three, those that come into families that they were told, you ain't going to be nothing. You're going to be just like your daddy. Da, 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 da. How does one navigate through that matrix to get to the place of, hey, I'm still living my life from the inside out. And despite these outside hater raids raised to the power of 10, I'm still going to jam.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so starting with the the relationship of the conscious and subconscious. So think about your, your conscious mind. So the conscious mind is your waking mind. So anytime you are awake and, and you are able to hear and see and taste, that's your conscious mind. However, our subconscious mind is the deeper mind that is impacted by what we believe to be true in our conscious mind. Perfect example. Let's think of your conscious mind as a farmer planting seed. And those seeds that are being planted are words; they are emotional impressions, so how you feel, and they're also um, your imagination. So, so the mental flashes or vision that you have in your mind that pertain to your future. So, your thoughts, your feelings, and your imagination are the seeds that are being planted. The the ground, which is always fertile, which means it will always produce something, is the subconscious. So, every time you have a thought and you think it over and over again. If you continue to repeat that thought or that idea to yourself, you're planting a seed. Whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. Whether it's positive or negative. Whether it's going to build you up or break you down. Whether it's going to heal you or kill you. So you can be planting poison seeds of, you know, whatever poison you want to name, right? Or you could be planting an apple seed to get an apple tree. And so the conscious mind is always planting into the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind, the only filter for that subconscious Is your conscious awareness, meaning being intentional about the thing that you're habitually thinking and feeling. I don't care if that's what they said on the news. I don't care if that's what they told you about the cops. You keep on feeling that way. You are planting a seed within yourself.
0: You're the steward of the seeds of your.
1: You are the you are the captain. I'm sorry. you, You are the the captain of your ship and you are the master of your soul. So. The subconscious mind accepts anything that you believe to be true in the conscious. So that's the only way things can get through into that subconscious. So you have to be on guard. That's why it says in the Bible that you, that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm All right. That's how you transform. But it also tells you that you have to basically stand guard always, always stand guard. Now that's just not physically, that is psychologically. So the way that Jim Rohn said this, uh, and Jim Rohn was, was a great thinker and speaker. He said, uh, and and, and, and we, when I heard this three years ago, I repeat it to myself often, and I can't get it out of my head, and I know why, because it, need, it needed to stay there. Jim Rohn said it best. He said, each day we must stand guard at the door of our mind. So either you're standing at the door of your mind, blocking out all the negatives, or somebody else is opening the door. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's you. And allowing any old thing in there, all the junk, all the fear, all the racism. And they don't want me to have this. And that has nothing to do with you. Other people's opinion have nothing to do with you. Focus on yourself. We're told to be selfless. And that, that, that is true. But when it comes to, to your life and your outcomes, you better be selfish. Meaning you need to be about your business. Starting with your thinking. Number two is your emotional nature. Too many of us are emotional. We're sabotaging ourselves with all these emotions and trying to use facts to back up our irregular, unregulated emotions. We have to live by truth and not facts. Truth doesn't change. Truth is foundational. It can be repeated over time. Facts are data. You know, 25% of black households, you know, have two two parents and all the other kind of stuff. I'm not saying that 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 it's not factual, but if that is your truth, because you believe that to be true, many of us have manifested that up on ourselves in our relationships and don't even know it because you didn't have your daddy there now you're having issues committing now you or, or you having issues with so many other things right and that's a whole not, another conversation
0: and ultimately that's on you not your daddy then or
1: whoever else if it's not on you who's running your life are you in control of your life or someone else gotcha. is is it, is it your mom's opinion Is it your girlfriend? Is it your boyfriend? Is it your your brother? Because your brother don't acknowledge every time you do something good. Whoever you want to put there, you are putting them in, in front of you. And you're saying that my destiny will go no further than they can see, which means you're going to die. You're not going to accomplish what you really wanted, because until you get up serious, you won't even take the time to figure out what do I actually want? You focus on everybody else. So with question number two, can you please repeat that? Cause I want to make sure that we don't,
0: it was, how do you, uh, you, you touched upon it a little bit there, black folks in particular, how do we, you know, get past the history and legacy of mistreatment and, you know, blaming the next man, having a victim mentality as opposed to a victor's mentality.
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, we have allowed other people to inform us of our history. Um, And I know everybody's not going to agree with this, but I I encourage you to do your own research and you'll be shocked what you find. First and foremost, uh, if you look at me, you would say that I'm an African-American man, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you right now that I know we have family records. I know that I'm Cherokee Indian and Osage Indian. My family's not from Africa. Mm -hmm. And the the, the stats show that over 80% of quote-unquote African-Americans are aboriginals to this country. We were here. (laughs) <laughs> and we've always been here. How you like them apples? That's why, Aborig- <laughs> that's why aboriginals in Australia, they've been there for, for over 200,000 years. Yeah. So they look like they from, from from our family.
0: Right. Look like cousins. That's, Melan- that's Rodney.
1: Melanated people. That's why in all families, some of us got straight hair, curly hair, kinky hair. hmm Yeah. So first and foremost, <laughs> we need to do our own research to know who we are. And that's not a personal opinion, because I, I know my, my family's history, but I'm telling you, especially being from the South, all of us, almost all of us, Grandmama and them, and especially great-grandmama and them said that we had in our family Cherokee, Blackfoot, Iroquois, Seminole.
0: That's where that Indian hair come from, that Indian hair. But here's <laughs> the
1: thing. Wasn't nobody coming off of those slave ships, or off of those slave plantations that they ain't going and hanging out with the local Indians? Y'all not related. Y'all, you say they ain't going to let you in. It's a sign. That's because that's who he is, as we say in the South. <laughs> you ain't part nothing. Wow. But that's a whole nother story. But 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 but, but when it comes to what, what has happened as far as the way in which we have been psychologically sabotaged, I think it's more about class than race. Because I have some friends who grew up rough, and they was white, and they was Hispanic or whatever else. And the psychological sabotage is at a class level. Specifically for, for African Americans, first and foremost, as I just mentioned, um, who wrote the books so they're telling you from you from other places but we didn't write those books so you need to watch out for that his story that's right and it ain't yours I'm telling you that right now Gotcha. but but beyond that we have basically taken um that poison and ingested it and so now when it comes to the way in which education is set up that's why we only have one or two pages maybe you know ten pages about our history so they don't want you to know who you are they want you to take these DNA tests that we didn't create to say, oh, you know, you 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 from West Africa, but you also got some some Irish and some this and some that. But your grandparents told you who you was. What would what you get what a test for? So with, with all these things and of course, in, in, in the movies, in, in the TV, whether it was and, and they've changed it. But, you know, you saw would be the brother sister got killed first in the movie or. You know, we, we you know we're always playing. You know, the servant role. Ne- you know, never the heroes until recently, and all the different kind of things. All that builds into a huge vacuum of psychological sabotage that was is telling all of us the same thing for different reasons. That the negative voice was telling me, mm-hmm. "It's not enough. You're not good enough. You got to work twice as hard." Who who told you that? Mm-hmm. Now I understand that people that been people's experience, even though you know it, it could have been family members. Of course, I get it. That that's that's factual. But if that's your truth, you're going to live out the same reality that they lived out. It's not that it's wrong or that it's fake. It's no, it's not. No, like somebody said, hey, man, look, they was lynching folks. It happened. What about what, what I'm saying? Or, or that, you know, the. Cause I live in Wauwatosa, two blocks away from the police station. When they were doing, you know, yeah. um, protests, protests officer, every weekend, Mensa officer, officer Mensa, uh-huh. three men of color shot down. That's real. Yeah. But I had to make a decision. As a perfect example in, in segue, I had to make a decision because I used to, and I still do jog in my neighborhood. At the height of all that, last year I had to make a decision and it came to me one day. Should I go for a jog today? For the first time, I had to second guess what I was fearful of getting, you know, Being stopped Amar by the police. And yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Because it was after the Amar Ombre stuff. And as William Decker had to make a decision to say, I'm going to go for the job today. Mm-hmm. I will not live in fear. I am a husband and a father, and I can't be afraid of anything because I stand at guard at the door of not just my mind, but of my family's protection. And they're looking at me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be afraid of nothing. I can, and I haven't been, and I'm not going to make that decision today. So I had to not allow all of the pain that was real and factual that was happening and that people were feeling but i didn't allow it to become my truth because that became my truth and began to build that paradigm within myself that would not just impact me running in the neighborhood that would impact my business affairs because i started a business at the end of this year and most of my clients are white so how you like them apples so um oh what time is it so now i so now i want to get paid and and most importantly i don't want to make impact now or I can only make impact in in a certain kind of way. So because of that, in that moment, it's just a perfect example of what I'm trying to get to. We have to stand guard at the door of our mind. These are factual things, but don't make it or don't allow it to become your truth. If it does, they got you. And they could be anyone. It could be the system. It could be the white man, whatever else. What have you, however you, you, you want to quantify that. They won and you lost. You have to be the captain of your ship and the master of your soul or it's over for you everything that you ever wanted to do. As soon as you get to, to that subconscious programming limitation, you're going to block yourself. You're going to blame other people for the rest of your life. And too many of us are living and dying this way, never knowing the truth. And the word says the truth will set you free. Not the facts. The, tru- <laughs> the, the truth is, is your determination. I'm just saying. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's why you have to, Neighbor. you have to accept Christ. You have to accept Fail. You have to accept success and these have to happen in advance of all the good stuff and all the glitz and glory. And we don't understand that. And that's what I'm here to teach because once again, all these games and all these, you know, psychological sabotage nonsense. I don't believe in none of that to the degree that I've learned to not identify myself as as a black man, because black is, has nothing to do with humanity. Black is a title and the etymology of the word black in history is un, unless we go back all back to ancient Egypt, but I'm talking about re- recent times. Mm-hmm. The way it was, it, it was Europeanized. There's nothing good about being black. Mm-hmm. That's the devil. That's evil. That's negative. That's nothingness. Right. In modern terms, in ancient terms, blackness is where all the light came from. <clears throat> so the truth of it is totally different than what it is being used now. But in modern terminology, black is death, nothing. They're, they're saying that we are a dead people. You don't know who you are. You're looking across the water. You're looking here. You're blaming us. You, you, you're protesting, but you ain't doing nothing with, with your finances to make sure that dollar circulating
0: yeah. because you're not at
1: the table. You're on the menu. Yeah. So they know they got us.
0: Okay. These okay. are the
1: kind of things we got to be thinking about as a people. Right, right. But it, but it goes in, into the middle fitness. Think for yourself. Do your own research. Be self-determined. Don't blame anybody. You can't blame anybody.
0: So the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm, I got just two last questions for you. You you done that? Joker done gave a whole the, the doctoral thesis on jokers today. The 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 advantage to taking accountability of your own actions and your own outcomes. The buck stops with you, the individual. The good, the bad, and the ugly is number one. It helps to mitigate any sort of psychological sabotage that outside forces can have over you number two one sounds like they will be surprised at how much they could actually accomplish because we're made in the image and likeness of god and as we exercise the fullness of what he's put in us all those things those those desires you know come from him those that are ethical and righteous you know and so we're able to get that double whammy the 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 repelling Of the psychological sabotage and the actual embracing and coming into the manifestation of what we ultimately desire to have to be and to do in and out of life. So with that said, the last two questions that I have for you uh, are what impact or legacy would you like to leave in this space or in your life period? Second question is, do you have any parting words for our listeners?
1: Yeah, so I would say as far as, you know, the legacy that I would uh, like to leave, um, I would like for it to, um, to, to be centered around, uh, William was a man that kept his word. He was a great husband and father, and he uh, committed his life to helping others become the best version of themselves. He didn't tell them what to do or how to do it. He simply said, here is the path. Do what, do what you will. I'm going to lead you there. I'm not going to tell you what you should what uh, the outcome should be but he led people there and he was and he was truthful um and he loved people. Yeah. Um and 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 then as far as par- parting words the most important thing that I can say for everyone um think for yourself. And I don't mean you have to be like conspiracy theorists. What I'm saying is is that within you is an entire universe. Every individual is a universe. That's why we have an imagination because we can create something unique each and every one of us because we are our own universe that's why when you look um all the way down to the to the uh, subatomic level it looks almost exactly like the night sky for a reason because we live in a holographic universe it's a microcosm so anytime you you uh, dilute a hologram all it is is a less clear vision or version of what the original or the prior version of the hologram was. So we live in a holographic universe, meaning through our thoughts and through the power of our emotions and our imagination, we 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 create worlds, meaning we create our own reality because it could be that the Bucks just won the championship. You know, you just got a promotion at work and you're making X, Y, Y, Z, all this other kind of stuff. And you could be depressed and ready to jump off a 30 story building and you love basketball And you've been working to get that promotion, but your, your universe or your reality is saying life's not worth living. That's how powerful our mind is. That's how powerful our mind is. So you must think for yourself and begin to explore the universe inside of yourself. Because you, because in you, all the answers that you ever had are there. So no, in life, at the end of the day, any question that you have, the answer is, the truth is within you. It's not in me. It's not, a, it's not in, in a book because the book of life is literally you. <laughs> you, are, you are the book of life. What do you think the <sighs> DNA code is? The DNA code is the book of life. Wow. There is a physical book and there is a spiritual book.
0: <laughs>
1: so think for yourself because as you begin to think, you will begin to unravel and unfurl who you were uh, created to be. And no one can answer that for you. And so if you don't answer the question, the question will never be answered. And and and, and I'll end there. Explore. Explore within yourself. There was more within you that you could even fathom.
0: Y'all, <laughs> what y'all going to do with that? Okay.
1: Start thinking.
0: Hey, man, when my man said that there is an entire universe inside of you. He wasn't playing no game. The Bible in Ecclesiastes said that God had put all of eternity in the heart of man. Also in the Bible, it talks about scripture says that, you know, when Christ comes back again, people are looking where he's going to come here, coming there. He said, hey, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom is inside of you. So the point is, is that while we have these different resources, we got Google, we got Einstein, we got all these other folks. Really, your true identity, you're going to find when you search from within. That's where it is. So you cannot be afraid to look on the inside of yourself because all of the answers that you've ever had are in there as treasures. You just need to get your shovel and be scooping stuff out and your flashlight to be checking things out. Yeah. One other thing you want to add? Cause he's been dropping dimes like curry, man. My goodness gracious.
1: The only thing that I wanted to add, because I know this this is a big thing and it was for me too. Many times when people begin to look within the first thing that you're going to face are all the giants, all the negatives, every fear, every doubt, every negative thing that your daddy said that you forgot he said, but it's coming back to haunt you through your experiences. In order to get, the promised land which means getting to the truth of who you are getting to have peace of mind we wake up in the morning having peace in order to get to that you're going to have to fight you're going to have to face every single giant every single negative idea every single fear and face it head on and whether you attack it with a rag and a rock a machete with with you know your your word of faith the word of God, whatever that is for you, because everybody has different belief systems. And I understand that you will and you must face every giant and you must slay every giant before you get to the promised land, which is peace of mind and success in our areas of life, mind, body and spirit. So don't be afraid of that. You, you, you cannot get around it. Don't don't worry about reading no books. I'm telling you right now, you must face yourself because many times some of these negatives, it didn't start with you. Mama didn't fix it. So it passed down to the next generation and said, "It's your turn. Now are you going to face it?" Mm. So When, when, when we, when uh, we face no curses are
0: psychological.:
1: uh, When we okay, face these man. things and kill these things, just know that you will kill it for yourself and your children. Any giant that you slay, your children won't have to face. But if you don't, they will. So all the parents out there, keep on, you know, you, you, you can out of you have no problems, and you don't want to go to therapy, you don't want to do no OK but you're leaving those behind for your children mm-hmm. because this is spiritual and psychological. Mm-hmm. So therefore it will live through them and they'll have to face it because you didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So just know that. And that's what I end.
0: <laughs> hey, y'all uh, it's like 17 different ways I could go to extend this, but that'll give us a three hour show. So I can't. So with that being said, It was a mouthful that was said the, the ultimate deal is you ultimately are most responsible for what you get in and out of life. So the first step to that is make a commitment to yourself not to blame anybody else anymore from this day forward. Today is the first day of the rest of your life from this day forward. Don't blame anybody else. Now, I'm not saying people didn't do foul stuff to you. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that no matter what is done to you, you have enough within you to overcome that. And it starts in the power of your mind. So with that, uh, like I said, I got so much more to say, but I'm going to end it right here. So thanks so much for listening in today. I'd like to thank our guest, Brother William Deck, for coming and just dropping atomic bombs of psychological insight on us today. So remember to like, share. And, and, and subscribe to the podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast. The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Also, be on the lookout for the Morning Tempsiration Vlog. That's where I kick out just different inspirational words. Some of it even psychological, like Brother Will was just talking about today, to kind of give you some wind behind yourselves. Because every now and then, we all need an at a boy or at a girl. That's what the Morning Tempsirations are. You can find them on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And finally, if you have a communication issue that you would like some additional insight, you would like to talk through. To see if I can be of some assistance, uh, feel free to reach out to me as well. We can set up a 15 to 20 minute uh, free consultation or discovery call and we can make that happen. You can find me on LinkedIn, also Instagram at Mr. And also I'm doing some uh, rebranding with my website and my, my email piece. So it'll be back up at. Tim at TimMcMurtryInternational.com. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and viewing. Remember, you are responsible for your outcomes in life. You are. So take accountability and put yourself in a position mentally to handle it and overcome all obstacles to live your best life. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bam.